0: Kids are in school, but they're all packing guns. The losers live forever and the good die young. But that cheap bourbon whiskey and Burl Snap shirts are two things that stay the same. So
1: when the world stops spinning and your head hurts, there's a cheap bourbon
0: whiskey and Burl Snap shirt. Good morning, good morning, good morning, little Jason Boland and the Stragglers. Pearl Snaps kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending a part of your quarantine with me. (laughs) Man, we are living in crazy times, I tell you. Uh, But there's no place I'd rather be than right here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors. And all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for being here. Uh, Also, thanks to Dallas Safari Club and uh, presenting sponsor as well, Lone Star Beer. Appreciate their support. We've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee because we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, um, what does a, a youngster think about all the time he's getting to spend in the great outdoors? As a result of this pandemic, there's no school, there's no sports, there's no nothing. So, Henry has uh, joined Dad at the the Dearlys three or four times in the last uh, what two months or so, and we've spent quite a bit of time out there, taking the entire family a couple times. But we'll get his take on all the hunting that he's been doing with Dad of late, and uh, what were some of his favorite experiences? Of this spring, and and one of them is kind of a a coming of age as I got him his first rifle. And we'll talk about that as well, how that's going. Uh, And then we will spend quite a bit of time with our good friend, Kevin Harlander of First Light. Kevin and I were supposed to share multiple hunting camps this spring, neither of which happened because uh, he's in lockdown in Idaho and uh, couldn't make it to the Lone Star State. So, uh, we've got a lot to discuss, though. Some turkey hunting, uh, spring bear hunting, specifically why it's important for every hunter to support bear hunting, whether they partake or not. Um, it's kind of that that entry point for the anti-hunting community, and they've latched onto bears. And to be frank, they're celebrating victories in B.C., Wyoming, uh, Florida, and various other places. I mean, they're 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 winning in a lot of cases. So. Uh, we all need to be on board with with bear hunting and predator hunting. Uh, then the latest and greatest from First Light, of course. We'll uh, we'll talk about the new twenty twenty line, some of our favorite pieces there, and baiting the always controversial topic among the hunting community. So that's what's on the docket for today. Gonna be a good one. And uh, let's do let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got that uh, Vortex Nation Texas shirt. And a vortex cap for today's winner. Just uh, email the word vortex, that's vortex, to lone star Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into this week's giveaway. Coming up next, I'll drag the boy into the studio, and we'll see how much I can eke out of old Henry Guy Smith right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I fell
2: in with an outlaw band, their names were known quite well. How
1: many times we robbed and blundered, I could never tell this kind of sinful living leads only to a fall i learned that
0: much and more the night i heard my master call hey guys cable here for quiet cat the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding hunting fishing and remote access to the great outdoors quiet cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market i own a quiet cat and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit quietcat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info.
3: Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility
0: with indoor and outdoor ranges full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek
3: was designed by Hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998
0: or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's
3: cinnamoncreekranch.com. And he said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love
1: secret that my daddy said was just between us. He said daddies don't just love their children every now and
0: then. It's a love without end. This George Strait bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Powered by Dallas Safari Club. Love without end. Amen. One of my favorites there. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for being here i also want to thank lone star beer and hof power polaris as well we've got our first live in studio guest here today since quarantine began Uh, worked out really nicely because he happens to live here and uh, henry guy smith my seven-year-old son is going to uh give us his take on the things that we've been doing (laughs) since quarantine began in this insane time period of modern history And while, you know, adults understand it, we get it, I can't imagine being a kid right now, living through this, not being able to see your friends or play soccer or or baseball. I mean, it's baseball time. There's no major league games on television. None of that stuff, which I remember was such a big part of my upbringing. So um, just more time to get into the great outdoors. And we're going to discuss that stuff with Henry here in just a second. This segment, by the way has to be brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Uh, Our family has been spending a lot of time sitting in All Seasons Blinds and hunting hogs over All Seasons Feeders. I mean, that's been the highlight of quarantine, no doubt about it. Oh, and then get back to camp and it's s'mores around the All Seasons Fire Pit. Check it out, allseasonsfeeders.com. With that being said, let's take a listen to a scatter shooting session with uh, my seven-year-old on all the outdoor activities that we've been enjoying here during quarantine 2020. So, Henry, we got off to an interesting start in quarantine. We went Mm hog-dogging, and you didn't really know what to expect. It's a kind of a violent sport for, I would say, a seven-year-old, and I had my trepidation about taking you, Mm -hmm. but you wanted to go. And so uh we went out to East Texas with some folks I know who had some good dogs. Which one uh which one was your favorite dog?
2: Mm, bullet.
0: Bullet and he was uh oh he was called a quarter dog. He was he was a quarter dogo, quarter pit, quarter greyhound, and quarter
2: uh
0: I think. Maybe bulldog. Yeah. Yeah. Four different kinds of dogs. Which he was the fastest catch dog I've ever seen, which, hence the name Bullet. He's fast like a bullet, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say was your favorite part about going hog-dogging? I don't know. Well, did you like it when we would, you know, jump out of the buggies and run to the bay as fast as we could? Well, yeah. <laughs> was that exciting? Kind of, yeah. And to see the hounds bay up the hog? Mm-hmm. And then when they cut the, the catch dogs loose and, and then to watch how strong those catch dogs were. Mm-hmm. What, um... What was your least favorite part about it? Mm. There wasn't one? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was all awesome? Uh-huh. Like, literally, the first hog that we got, Bullet chased him down, and they were like, hey, does Henry want to stab it? And I'm like, I don't know about that. Uh, and then I asked you, and you're like, no, I don't think so. So, Daddy stabbed mm-hmm. it and dispatched it quickly. Um, and I think maybe, you know, somewhere on down the line, they'll be ready for that. But mm-hmm. it was... It, it all happened so fast. You didn't know what to expect, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you enjoyed hog dogging. You told me you wanted to go back and do it again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what about the rest of quarantine? What else have we done in, as far as getting outside?
2: Mm, we went to the deer lease two or three times.
0: Yes, yeah, sir. And, you know, the deer lease is not a place that you're a stranger to. You've been with me many times. But uh, during quarantine, we've been going quite regularly nothing else to do you know uh that first trip though just me you and the girls went mom had to work one day dad was fixing a, a fence around a, mm-hmm. a feeder i looked over i heard you yell and i look over and you're just covering your face and blood is coming down from your eye and i was like oh my gosh please don't be his eyeball i want to take i don't want to take this kid to the hospital during covid lockdown and what had happened
2: um i ran into the bar wire fence
0: and you didn't cut your eyeball, no, thank God.
2: but my, yeah. I, like, eyelid. Your
0: eyelid, yeah. And it was yeah. a pretty bad cut. I thought maybe we were going to have to go to the hospital. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I was relieved that it wasn't your eyeball. Yeah. And I called mom, and she was back in Dallas working. She's a trauma nurse practitioner, so she was at her hospital. And I said, Man, I don't know what to do. Should I take him to the hospital? don't want him to have a bad scar there. And what did she say?
2: Just put um, some glue on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we had to go to Dollar General and get some glue. And we get back, and I fixed it up. Um, probably not very well. You do have a little scar, not a bad one. Mm-hmm. But luckily, your eye, when your eyes open, you can't even see it. Um, so we glue that, and then that night you get what happens while you're sleeping. Mm. To make your other eye all messed up.
2: Oh yeah,
0: wasp bites me. <laughs> wasp stung you in the face while you were sleeping. You wake up and your your cut eye is like now your good eye. There's a funny picture of you on mm-hmm. my on my website, folks can look at it. But both your eyes are like almost swollen shut, but you're still smiling. And then I had to go back to Dollar General <laughs> to get some uh
2: Um I don't know. Some Benadryl. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you had a rough go that weekend. Yeah. I don't remember if we actually shot anything that trip.
2: I oh. think it was windy.
0: Yeah, I don't think we got anything.
2: Then the next trip, the The first day we were on a hot streak. Uh huh. Like five minutes in the hunt, all like ten pigs come in, and then like ten more, and then like two.
0: And you were videoing it. Yeah. (laughs) And Daddy shot, uh, shot one of the pigs, Mm -hmm. which we cleaned and made uh, pulled pork sliders.
2: Yeah. Barbecue, which <laughs> we good.
0: Then, let's see, and then the next day, we went and sat on the ground at and another we, another place. And what did, we, what did we see that day? What do we shoot?
2: There was a coyote, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got a
2: the, lot to the left. Uh-huh. To the feeder.
0: And you didn't have time to put on your earmuffs. And I mm-hmm. just said, cover your ears. <laughs> Visit
2: saw so you move the gun.
0: Yeah. And so, Henry, we shot the coyote, but we don't eat coyotes no. so why is it okay to still shoot something like that
2: because it eats deer Equal. that we eat
0: that's right it's called predator management right Mm-hmm. so we got we shot him and, and uh, the
2: next day you rode your bike down there and like hidden some trees and called and then this turkey went gobble gobble <laughs> gobble and came out on like out of these trees, and you shot it.
0: That's right. That was right. Was that the first time you've ever seen a turkey?
2: Mm.
0: No, Daddy's brother. <laughs> no. Turkey, so. Yeah, it was heavy though, wasn't it? You picked it up. Yeah. It was hard to pick up, huh? Mhm. Yeah. So that was another weekend as we're just going back through the annals of uh, quarantine, 2020. Mm-hmm. And then this past weekend, we went back we to went. the deer lease again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, dude, we totally forgot. So the most important thing that we've done this spring is you got your first rifle. Oh, yeah. And what caliber did you get? Do you remember? <laughs> 22. 50? 22 two
2: fifty.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you've been working on gun safety. You know, you've mm-hmm. been practicing with your BB gun for a couple of years. And you told me, I think at the end of deer season, you said, Dad, I want to shoot a deer. I said, okay, well. We've got to get you on the right path mm-hmm. and uh, get you comfortable shooting a rifle. So I gave you a twenty-two 250 and, yeah. and also have another gun ordered for you, Yeah. which I told you about, which I'm not going to tell you when it gets here. It'll be a surprise, but it's <laughs> a seventeen HMR, which mm-hmm. is even a little lighter than the twenty-two 250 yeah. But we've been working on loading the gun, mm-hmm. uh, unloading the gun, proper eye relief when you're looking through the scope. And dude, you've been hit you've hit the target like every shot you've taken.
2: Except like one.
0: But you still hit the paper. Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. Pretty good for a seven year old mm-hmm. who's trying to shoot with his left eye and right hand. Because <laughs> your left eye dominant. So this last time we tried to sort that out. Get your get you pulling the trigger with your left hand if mm-hmm. you're gonna look through your left eye. We're working on that, but man, you really have been impressive. You know, I wasn't shooting a rifle when I was seven years old. <laughs> My dad was taking only taking me fishing back then, so mm-hmm. um, I'm proud of you on that front. It's been very cool to watch you grow and how much more confident you are after yeah. one session to now you've had three different sessions. Henry, when you're shooting that twenty-two 250 did it recoil very much? I mean, was it did it thump your shoulder pretty good the first time?
2: Mm, kind yeah
0: and you had just gotten that we had just glued your eye shut and then the gun came back and hit you on that eye and i was like oh, kind no. of maybe we should uh rethink this so we we quit after i let you shoot it two more times mm-hmm. uh, but so the 22 250 i think is a good fit you know it's, yeah You it's a big gun but you're a growing boy <laughs> i think that 17 hMR is going to be even a, a better fit but you won't be able to kill a deer with that. You're gonna have to stick with the 22-250. Yeah. If you're gonna shoot a doe, and you're not shooting a buck to start off with, you're shooting mm-hmm. a doe. You yeah. gotta earn your stripes, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's one cool thing that we've been doing during quarantine uh-huh. is is learning how to shoot a rifle properly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then maybe I'll turn you loose on a pig once you're you know you're getting a good group, baseball sized group at uh, 100 yards. Yeah. Um, and then so this last weekend. We took your sisters and mom. It's basically because Dear Lease, the Dear Lease is like our place, right? Mm-hmm. We just let the girls come when we feel like it. <laughs> right? hmm Because it's guy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, your sisters want to come, which makes Dad happy. Your mom could care less, but she wants to be with the family, so she comes too. And uh, all of you guys wanted to sit with me on the first night. hmm And of course, like Stella's behind the blind, taking a leak you know, okay. popping a squat, and you and Frankie are throwing grass at each other, and so there's no way we're going to see anything, okay. and we don't. And it was windy, And, and it was windy. You can blame it on the wind, but okay. I think it was just how loud and the amount of movement going on since we were kind of, you know, out in the open a little bit. Yeah. Um, when I say blind, we were sitting on the ground in front of an old staircase, so mm-hmm. not really a blind. <laughs> and uh, It so,
2: was a blind until the wind blew it over. It
0: was a blind until the wind blew it over, yep. So – we don't see anything, but Mom calls and she's sitting in the all seasons little chingon by herself. Mm-hmm. And she calls like right at dusk. And was like, hurry! There's a big boar over here. So we hop in the ATV, haul tail over there.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, we went like halfway, and then you told us to stay, and then you went like the other half, and you shot it.
0: Snuck up and shot it. Mm-hmm. And did it go anywhere? Um, no. Just piled up right there. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Like and one or, so, or two steps. <laughs> yeah. So we got some bacon that night, nice boar. Uh, the next day we went out and did chores, filled feeders and stuff, um, fixed the fence, checked cameras. and
2: Then we went.
0: Then you guys went back to the, to the cabin, <sighs> mm-hmm. and I had to go back out because I needed to change. I forgot some batteries I needed for one of the stealth cams. Yeah. And I shot another pig without you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should have come with
2: me. And then after that, wait, did we go look free bones?
0: Oh, yeah. We went shed hunting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I found a hog skull.
0: Top and bottom, yeah. Yeah. A boar.
2: A bunch of cow bones and a deer horn. Antler. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: a deer antler. You got a pretty good collection of, of skulls and stuff going now. Yeah. You got a couple of hog skulls.
2: I have one or two hog skulls. I have... a bobcat, uh-huh. a lynx. Yeah. Which, that was mine, but I gave it to yeah. you. Yeah.
0: You've got some deer skulls, deadheads, that we picked yeah. up, Daddy's picked up and given to you.
2: Like that, I forget what it was. The um, guy? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I got that one in South Texas.
2: When you went turkey hunting and you shot the two um, in one shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, son, it's been, uh, it's been a, Interesting time. I know that you would rather be in school than hanging out with mom and dad at home and having us on your butt trying to get you to do homework and (laughs) soccer, virtual soccer practices. Life was so much easier, I think, when, you know, before this happened, right? Yeah. But the silver lining is we've gotten to do so much cool stuff as a family and you know, without sports and all these other activities every weekend and gymnastics for your sisters. Yeah. You've got to spend a lot of time at the at the Deer Lease. Mm-hmm. Which has been a lot of fun, huh? Yeah. What uh, what are some of the other animals that we've seen? Do you remember?
2: Um
0: what did we see the uh, yesterday? Quail?
2: Oh uh, yeah. We caught, we didn't see anything. Well we hear we heard this quail and we kept on like whistling and it kept on Whistling back mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah Something
0: like that, yeah And he would call back to us Even though I'm not the best quail caller Yeah Yeah And then you saw him flush I told you, hey, they're over there And you walked over there and flushed him up mm-hmm. Did it scare you?
2: Um, no
0: I told you It scared me many times I've been walking, hunting For other things And quails mm-hmm. come In all directions And scared the, <laughs> the Jesus out of me <laughs> They'll get you someday I promise you that Oh. Well, bud, I uh, I appreciate you visiting with your old man here. There's nothing I like more than, than spending time in the outdoors with you. Mm-hmm. All right, love you. Get out of here. Bye. <laughs> so there he goes, aspiring outdoorsman, my little hunting buddy, Henry Guy Smith. I tell you, watch these kids in the outdoors. Um, of course, I'm enjoying watching mine, but it's it's across the board. If If a kid is interested in the outdoors they are soaking it all in Uh, i don't know about y'all but he asks so many questions when we're outside dad why is the boy cardinal red and the 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 girl brown or dad i bet it would be cool to see what the prairie dogs underground tunnel looks like you know i mean and then since i've got the stealth cam app on my camera i mean the kid you can't get him off of there he's always looking at trail camera pictures so um it's, a, it's an awesome time. It's great being a dad and uh, teaching uh, what it means to be a hunter, angler, conservationist, and, and therefore a steward of, of all wildlife. It's not something you can take lightly, but it sure is a lot of fun, if you know what I mean. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation and you know, over the decade or so that I've been involved with DSC, I've realized that they are guilty, guilty as hell, of truth spreading. And that's because they are passionate about hunter's rights, education, and fighting for conservation. Um, become a member. I'm a proud member. Love to have you on board as well. For more info, check us out at biggame.org. Well, after the break, our good friend and First Lights community manager, Kevin Harlander, makes his return to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. It's cheap
1: perfume and gin and smoke and light.
3: Hey everybody, it's Andrew Zimmern from Bizarre Foods on the Travel Channel. Thanks for listening to the Lone Store Outdoors Show, and remember, if it looks good.
1: Eat it. where
0: the black water rolls and the waves. The the otters play
1: in the land
0: of the Seminole. Seminole wind—the name of that one there from John Anderson, bringing us back. On the Lone Star Outdoor Show, Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of your quarantine with me here. Also, uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Off Power Polaris, our presenting sponsors. We are about to check in with our good friend, uh, First Lights Community Manager, Kevin Harlander. And this segment is brought to you by Our Luck Outfitters, Newfoundland's premier moose outfitter. I had the chance to hunt with them last October. I took a beautiful bull and saw some breathtaking country. Newfoundland is like no place I've ever been. And compared to uh, moose hunting in, say, Alaska or the Yukon, it's pretty budget-friendly. You might be surprised. Uh, You can find more information at ourluckoutfitters.com. Highly recommend them. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring on our next guest at this time. He's a good friend of the show and joins us now from Ketchum, Idaho. It's my pleasure to welcome First Light's. Kevin Hartlander back to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I wish we were uh, doing it in person in some kind of turkey or bear camp right now, but, man, it, uh, it's good to talk to you anyways.
4: Yeah, yeah. How's uh, how's quarantine going up in Idaho?
3: It's good, man. Uh, our county uh, is Blaine County. We live in, in Haley, Idaho. lost is up in Ketchum, and we got hit pretty hard right away just because of uh, it's a big ski community, so a lot of people were flying in in January. From all over the place, you know, L.A., New York, Seattle, you name it. Uh-huh. Um, so we had one of the highest infection rates in the country. Um, I think it was almost like per capita greater than New York City for a while there. Oh, wow. Um, so it was pretty pretty gnarly around here. Luckily, uh, we took some precautions, you know, um, right away when it started kind of hitting U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and we closed down the office pretty cl- pretty quickly, and everybody's been working from home. Um, and clipping right along, man, I think business has been really good as far as, um, just engagement with customers. And obviously there's a lot of people in front of their computers and phones right now. And, um, it's a good time to gear up for sure. And I think, um, you know, from our perspective, um, we settled in pretty quickly to sort of the new normal, what we're calling sort of the new normal. Um, but it, you know, I, would be lying if I said it wasn't frustrating. I just want to, yeah. um, you know, at some point it's like, you can only do, sitting in your house so so much so you know we're lucky enough to live in the mountains so it's been good we've been able to get outside and stay away from people really easily and um we were able to go up and do some turkey hunting this weekend which was uh just phenomenal man i felt like a whole new person after <laughs>
4: yeah yeah well that i mean that's great i was i was um pleased to hear just now that the hunting apparel industry is is still moving along in the right direction Uh, Because there's so many, and we talked about, you know, you called me last week, and this is why, uh, you know, I'm so pleased to be a part of First Light team is, you called me out of the blue and you're like, hey, get a hold of some Texas Outfitters and find out what we can do to support them. How can we help, you know? And um, I mean, that, that just speaks volumes about First Light as a company. And so we started this, it kind of had nothing to do with First Light, but it got me thinking and I had talk to Lone Star Beer and they're like, we want to do something kind of on the same vein as you, as you brought up with me. And so we started this support Texas outdoors and I got in touch with quite a few outfitters and they all, all, the message was all the same. It's like, we understand um, people are not just going to be throwing money to book trips because they don't know when they can go. But as long as they know that, you know, we're still here, the best thing we can do to support them is just keep pushing that, 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 that message out that this is going to open up eventually. And, People are going to be able to go back to hunting and fishing like they always have. And I know we've personally had plans to be in camp twice in the last uh, month, yep. and both of those trips were canceled. So,
3: yeah, so. yeah, that's uh, unfortunate, of course. I think, you know, on that Guide and Outfitter program topic specifically, I think a lot of our folks that uh, one of my uh, roles at First Light is to, is to sort of run and, and manage our Guide and Outfitter program. And so we're, we're we've been really trying to strive to support these fields, because not only um, are they good business support as far as, you know, um, a, a large portion of the hunting community, but they're pretty integral into um, introducing people to hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and from our perspective, you know, if there's a lot of new eyeballs on, on guide and outfitters in, in our uh, community it's important to support those guys, not from a, not even from just a business standpoint, but just from like a, an overall industry standpoint, you know, those guys are kind of on the front line, so to speak of, um, you know, managing deer or um, introducing people to outdoors or, um, you know, being a a sort of a liaison to good gear. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's super important. And and they've been really uh, taking it in the teeth, man. It's it's unfortunate. I talked to a couple of our folks and one of them, a, a turkey and uh um white-tailed deer hunting outfit in Nebraska and um luckily they ranch too, so they have a little bit of a, a backing there. Um but they had like, you know, ten turkey cancellations and I talked to another guy, one of our guys in, in Florida and uh, Illinois and, and Kentucky and they had sixty turkey hunters and they could only take six before this thing turned down. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking thousands of dollars of income and Um, and I understand that the rest of the country's in the same boat too, but, uh, this is close to home for us. You know, I was a former guide and, and it's, it's one of those things where you're relying on those personal interactions. So it's a tough time, man. Uh, tough time for sure.
4: Yeah. Even, uh, one of the guys who donated a striper trip for that support Texas outdoors, um, endeavor that we've just undertook, he told me like, He usually has two guys fishing for him full time. He's fishing full time. He's like, personally, he's like, I told the other guys, they can't fish anymore. And I'm just taking like two or three trips a week because that's all that, you know, all that I can. But I can't. But he's like, I know that we're not supposed to be doing it, but I also don't have money to pay my bills. So what am I supposed to do? So.
3: Yeah, it's a a catch-22, right? You're in this tough position where you have to feed your family. You have to like pay your truck bill and pay your mortgage and whatever it is. Boat, yeah, all uh, of it. And I think at some point too, that people are going to reach sort of a um, sort of a precipice, you know, where it's like, man, I just got to go to work, you know, I got to do this, and and the risk um, is still paramount, but it's it's one of those things where um, you got to live too. And man, I, I just feel for those guys because I think it's it's uh, certainly a tough business to be in, uh, you know, regardless of of a pandemic. Yep. Um, you know, you're always fighting for clients, and you're know, always sort of fighting to uh, To provide a good experience because at the end of the day you know hunting and fishing is not a guarantee right so like client uh pleasing your client isn't even about you know killing an access buck or um you know catching the tarpon on the fly that's sort of just the icing on the top and you can't even provide they can't even provide an experience right now Mm -hmm. um and that's that's a tough go man really tough go
4: yeah well you were supposed to join me um in like deep south texas two i think it was two weekends ago for that turkey yep. hunt you you came down last spring and and we uh shot a nil guy and some you shot your first uh big boar and oh, yeah. uh and then we saw these turkeys down there it was like we should we should do a turkey hunt and yeah
3: know, man i love it down there That's yeah. some of the most cool country in the whole united states it's just like this uh i don't know it feels like you're in a different country um, yeah it's almost I can see the connection between like Texas hunters and Africa and Africa and Texas for that reason, you know, it's just like uh
4: mm-hmm. it feels
3: like you're on the plane. It's uh it's pretty cool. We had a good time down there. Um yeah, I'm bummed I couldn't join you, but you did okay otherwise.
4: Yeah, well my my buddy Chisholm, my oak hunting buddy, subbed in for you and uh Nice. And we did we uh I think we hunted a total. It's the best turkey hunt I've ever been on. I don't mean to rub it in, but I mean
3: yeah, I think I did this
4: one time. <laughs> And shot yeah. two
3: turkeys. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's like you get back to the chalk and your coffee's still hot.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the best turkey hunt ever. But um, so, Chisholm, going back to elk hunting together, I've been pretty much like, and this is totally random, but underwear free for like 20 years. Started in high school. Yeah. Just free balling. And, uh,
3: nice.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Just, just kind of was my thing. And then he said, you got to try these um, first light. Boxer briefs. I was like, oh, I'm pretty good on underwear. I still wear like long johns and stuff if it's really cold, you know, or whatever you know, hunting. Yeah. But um, finally, you sent me a pair, and my wife sees me like a couple times a week now wearing underwear, and she's like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "I don't know. Just kind of, <laughs> I'm digging it." And uh, and going back to how I'm why I'm bringing this up was I shot this 200 pound boar in just those boxers on that turkey hunt. It just, they had this camp Havelina that was really old. I think he was, he might be dead by now. I mean, he looked like he was on his last leg and, uh, Lindell, the outfitter would just kind of put some corn out around camp. And I heard, I woke up to this crunching at like two in the morning and we were social distancing by sleeping just under the stars. Um, and man, I look over and like, that is not a javelina. It was a huge (laughs) bore. Woke me up. And so I yelled at him I was like, get out of here, pig. And he did this two more times. Like every 30 minutes, he'd come back. So yeah, like, Third uh, it was the fourth time he came back. I'd grabbed the twelve gauge and I just had turkey shot in there, that like Kent uh yeah. uh cartridge turkey load and I mean he came back, I turned my headlight on and just smoked him. It was right. uh
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> and did it in my boxer, so it was uh
3: That's
4: good. it was awesome. That's
3: uh, good. Yeah, those camp robbers man are uh they're difficult. You're lucky you didn't come crunch on your ear or I, something.
4: I've i I've never yeah. experienced pigs that were that, you know, just laissez-faire about human interaction just didn't care
3: yeah crazy. That's, of, that's the beautiful part about that ranch down there too is there's just such a limited amount of people for how big it is that i'm sure those animal interactions it could have been the first time you know or second or fourth time he's ever seen a human you
4: know? yeah, yeah.
3: Um, that's pretty cool yeah
4: <laughs> well so how um how is idaho spring turkey and i know bear is like one of your favorite things how's how's that being affected by what's well, going on it's
3: Interesting, man. Much like, uh, you mean just by the the shutdown, the quarantine, and all that. I mean, are
4: you? I mean, I know you got into the turkey woods, but are you yep. are you guys able? Because like I hung out with Chisholm and Lindell, right? But we, like I said, we social distance, we didn't shake hands. Um, yeah. We, you know, we did share a campfire. That was about as close as we got together. And but uh, I don't know how what, what your regulations are, and and if you're even going to get to go spring bear hunting.
3: Yeah, so the nice part about where we live, like I mentioned, is just we're like right in the mountains, basically. So Mm -hmm. um, turkey hunting here is is quite different. You have to drive a little bit. Um, So we drove up this weekend, and and obviously we're like practicing social distancing and and driving separately. I brought all my own fuel, all my own food, so I'm not stopping anywhere. anywhere, You know, I'm Mm -hmm. going basically from my front door to the turkey woods, Um, and you know, Within Idaho, um, specifically because Blaine County got so hit so hard by this thing, um, they've asked um, people to self-quarantine and, and stay home, with the exception of going outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to, to actually have some pretty good chances to be outside, whether it's shed hunting and, and now turkey and bear hunting, um, just because we are so close to those um, opportunities.
4: Oh, you know how I love shed uh, hunting. I
3: think it'd be... Oh, man. I know. I know you do. I've actually kind of turned into Cable Smith, kind of shed hunter where I'm like, man, there it is. Now i got to pack it out of there. I'm not, I still am not going to throw them out like you. Like, Somebody somewhere, there's there's about 15 beautiful whitetail sheds just laying in South Texas just right for the picking. Um, Cable just threw them away, but it's okay.
4: I took a picture oh. so I could show you guys. Hey, look what
3: I found. What did you do with them? Oh, I left them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just broke my heart. But the turkey hunting up here, man, is, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. Um, so turkey hunting there was basically hunting uh, timber stringers around food, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and out here, you're, you're hunting in the mountains. So it's basically, the, the reason I love turkey out, out here is just like, it's like Archie elk hunting uh, in some regard. Um, because the type of country you're in, you know, is anywhere between 4,000 and 8,000 feet. Um, it's all rolling, kind of like, Low rolling hills and deep drainages, mm. um, and the tough part is when those birds gobble, um, you're basically um, at a disadvantage because of the way the acoustics work in the mountains. Much like an elk, like you, you, there's if you had three people and we had this happen, you know, or Max, my roommate, and our and he's kind of our um, creator content creator on staff, um, he's up the road a little bit far from me, and my girlfriend Celia is down the other way listening, right, and I yelped and two gobbles went off, right, and everybody pointed a different direction, <laughs> yeah. because the way the country just operates, is the, the noise just bounces off these um, different little, you know, ridges, and, and coolies, and, and drainages a different way, depending on how you're standing, or what which way your ears are facing, mm-hmm. um, so it's certainly a challenging hunt, you know, we hiked probably seven miles on Sunday, um, chasing gobbles, and kind of trying to get in position, and the cool part too is these birds have to come a long way. So, yesterday morning, um, I got struck up a bird at like 11 a.m. Um, and it took him, I think, I think it took him about 45 minutes to get to about uh, 200 yards. Um, hmm. And he just came screaming down this mountain hill. You know, you hear all the time like, oh, turkeys won't go downhill. They'll go uphill, but they won't go downhill because they can't really fly away or vacate. But This thing just came screaming down across the road, came to, like, 70 yards just on a dead sprint trying to find us, you know. Um, And it's tough because it's not like uh, a cut row or something where you got a hen decoy on the edge of the corn or soybeans or whatever it is, and then you're in the timber, and they can see that from a long way away, right? Uh, It's a little tougher to use decoys out here Mm -hmm. um, just because it is so – there'll be nice open hillsides, but it's pretty thick. Um, you're in the timber so it's all about kind of this auditory cue um, and sometimes turkeys you know they're like any other thing they, they miss where the where the sound's coming from um, so it, was, it proved to be pretty challenging but man i gotta tell you it was just lovely to be out in the hills again um, kind of stretching the legs and yeah spend some time you know with, with the people you love and and uh are
4: these merriam's
3: kind of what's all about what's up
4: are these merriam's or rio's
3: Uh, We have, actually, it's funny, mostly Merriam's. We actually have some Rios, um, especially in, like, eastern Oregon. There's, like, little bands of them. Um, But the the cool part about, like, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, all these states, if you have a chance, I think that you can kill all species except for osteolas in the west, right? So um, sometimes you don't know what's happening. You could have an eastern come in in Montana, um, Hmm. and you could hunt a Rio in Oregon, which is pretty cool.
4: Yeah. So I've never uh, taken a Miriam. I have seen them um, up in the mountains. I think it was I was cougar hunting, and I couldn't believe how many turkeys I saw up there in Colorado. Yeah. It was awesome. I definitely yeah, want to do it's that. It's, it's on the yeah, on the list. Yeah. But it's totally yeah, been like been you said, them. totally different from how you grew up hunting in the Midwest and how I how I've grown up hunting uh, turkeys in Texas, which is mostly like mesquite flats and you know, yep, uh, big brush and stuff like that. But uh, not not so much big trees and and wooded areas. So yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. These big pine forests are pretty awesome because you know we had a, uh, one of our guys was up turkey on a little bit farther away from us, and he said he had a bird come in and he could hear it spitting and drumming. You know, and when you can hear him spitting and drumming, they're damn close. But he could never see the bird at all, oh. <laughs> um, which is it's just crazy, man. It's just it's a, it's a different ball game. So that's why I think success rates in this part of the world are probably not great um yeah comparatively to other places so but i still have two tags in my pocket and i'm sure damn sure gonna give it another go we've got about a month to hunt them and um you know and then we'll start bear hunting here shortly i know we've paul um our customer one of our customer service guys killed a really nice boar uh the other night on the opener um so they're out and about for sure um i just I just love being in the in the canyons in the springtime. It's just so green and lovely and uh, warm days and cool nights. It's, it's a nice little way to start the season and uh, hopefully shoot a bear in the process. Yeah.
4: Well, let's, uh, let's do this because I want to talk some more spring bear hunting with you, but uh, we do need yeah. to work in a quick break. Are you cool to stick around?
3: Yeah, you bet. That sounds great.
4: Awesome. And that segment
0: was brought to you by Stealth Cam's new DS4K Max my how trail camera technology has changed we're talking about 32 megapixels and 4k videos and images check it out it's the stealth cam ds4k max you can find it at stealthcam.com we'll be right back with more from first life kevin harlander on the lone star outdoors show let the bad times roll just let them all go go like the
3: wind blowing tumble weeds from odessa el paso let the bad times roll off your shoulders. I know you can roll on, brother, and don't look back.
0: British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the six and a six-and-a-half, to seven and a half year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once in a lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, they've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com.
3: Howdy, folks! I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Fares once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas.
0: In the market for a compact track loader? Then check out the Bobcat Advantage. Where
3: Bobcat track
0: loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take Take our work for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat Machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. We're well, kicked out the year in Boise, Idaho. The snow was coming down in sheets. And these New Year's blues are like breaking in boots. I got blisters nobody can see about tires we want to closing down as our very own but vicky and the motor cars bringing us back on the lone star outdoor show road to you the name of that one i'm cable smith thank you so much for being here today as we are still talking uh, with first lights kevin harlander and we'll continue that conversation momentarily uh, this segment of the show brought to you by First Light's new Guide Light Short, as uh, Kevin is probably going to tell you here momentarily. One of the new things from uh, First Light in 2020, the Guide Light Short, it's perfect for spring and summer weather. I was out shed hunting with the kids. I know. I, I went for them. I didn't go shed hunting for me, uh, but they enjoyed it. And maybe one day I'll tell them about all those sheds they found and how they fell out of dad's pocket moments before they found them. But anyway, <laughs> the Guide Light Short is perfect for the warm weather. Uh, it's also casual enough if you want to sport it into the bar, if the bars ever open back up. Uh, but you can find it at firstlight.com. Firstlight, go further, stay longer. Let's pick it back up with Kevin Harlander. I certainly appreciate you sticking around, brother.
4: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Sorry that we're not recording this around a campfire. We had, man, we had some other cool folks we were going to be hanging out with uh, this weekend in Jess Prile's and. Uh, Jesse Griffith I believe yep, um, yep.
3: Um, yeah but... we're gonna have a bunch of bunch of chefs down and and uh, also Jesse's got this great program called the new school of traditional cookery where he uh, he takes new people out hunting and then teaches them how to break down the animal and then utilize that food um, yeah. just from the sense of people kind of getting back to the land so to speak and and uh, you know trying to trying to harvest their own food and I think that's great. But yeah, he's, he's going to be down there, and, and Jess Prowl is obviously an uh, incredible chef and, and a new hunter, you know, a, a new hunter to uh, relative to somebody who's done it from birth, from Australia, um, and has really taken a liking to it, it sounds like. And I've actually never met Jess in person, so I was really bummed when that happened because I've been following her work for a long time, and I think she approaches cooking in a cool way. Um,
2: oh, absolutely.
3: You know, she's just a, a gem, and then Sloan Brown's going to come down from Yeti and um, uh, we're going to have a couple of your buddies out there and going to do a little story about, uh, hog hunting in, in Texas and it just, uh, we'll have to save that one for another day, I guess. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. It's going to no be doubt. too hot
3: down there anyway, pretty quick. So I think yep. we missed our window for maybe this year.
4: Yeah. No, don't want to do that past May. That's for sure. Um, yeah, no kidding. Well, I do want to talk about spring bear hunting, but first some of the things that are new from First Light that you're going to be implementing into spring bear hunting, um, yeah. we've got well, something that I'm excited about from uh, an Africa standpoint, you know, all these pHs in Africa, they they really could care less about like your, the camo, right? They just want yeah. the quality of gear and it, most of the time they want it in a muted tone, right? So, right. um, beiges, gr- greens and grays. And that's why I think ash gray is going to be pretty appealing to, you know, in my experience, Africa, I think they're, they're really going to like that. Um, yeah, new offering from First Light. And there's some other stuff too, but I'll let you talk about the things that you're really excited about.
3: Yeah, for sure, man. You know, folks, we've been trying to develop um, sort of a collared shirt um, for spring use and you know early season use, um, and that, that's the Ranger Snap Shirt. And that thing, uh, man, I, I fished with it right before this whole thing started. We were down in uh, just in Georgia with some fellows from Gray Sporting Journal. Um, fishing on the Wade plantation and we wore those Ranger Snapshirts and I was wearing it last spring a little bit testing it and it's a great boat shirt. Um it, it's a it's just a the stretch material and that 37.5 stretch nylon is, is cool and breathable and uh it's got good protection. It's also pretty durable too. So you know if you are let's say you're hog hunting or spring through gym, that's gonna be a great um, great piece to, to wear. Um and I think it looks pretty sharp too. You can almost wear that thing to the bar. Um, yeah, pretty cool
4: yeah no and I'll, you know compared to like everyone has or has had in their lifetime probably a Columbia fishing shirt but those yeah. things get shredded pretty easily you know and uh, right. this one's a little more rugged certainly offered in long sleeve currently
3: Yeah yeah and that thing is great too just from a like sun protection standpoint too and you know it pairs really nicely too with uh, the guide guide light shorts that we came out with they're based off the same material as like guide light pants super breathable um and they're about perfect um for both spring fishing and summer fishing and then um also some of that those warm hunting situations too uh, especially i'm sure in africa a lot of those phs wear sh- um, the short shorts too these are a little longer but dude
4: i wore the short shorts one time like what i yeah. thought were like i ordered the shortest shorts i could from like on the on amazon and yeah. i put those on in africa and they laughed at me like those are way too long dude Yeah, I was like, these are
3: the shortest shorts
4: I've ever worn. They're like, no, yeah, I know, those aren't nut huggers. You got to get some real short shorts. So anyway, I I, I gave up on that. That was the first time I went. I haven't attempted to uh, fit in again in that manner.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and those things are great too. They're just a great warm weather short, Um, and I wear those basically every day in the summer. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And you know, the nice part about all this stuff is with that 37.5, it just holds up really well um, and it's also super breathable, which is great. Um, and then yeah, that new ash gray color, man, is just is certainly a, a, winner, you know, everything we do, um, has a hunting component to it, right? We're, we're a hunting company. So everything has some, some use case, um, at the very minimum in the hunting, in the hunting, uh, arena. Um, so that ash gray color was developed sort of as an, like you mentioned a mute tone, um, something that occurs in nature, uh, something that blends into your background, uh, but also offers you the ability to sort of take that uh, out of the hunting situation into the recreation standpoint and and uh, and wear that in other situations too. Yeah. um The solid colors, man. I've been just generally hunting, especially on the lower half. Um, I just think you you tend to um, you know everybody likes to be in full camo, and there's certain exceptions, but like in the elk woods, if you have solid bottoms, you're pretty you're pretty good. What's more important, like you alluded to earlier is just the quality of the garment
4: mm-hmm.
3: um which you'll find in, in all first light stuff yeah. for sure um
4: like the one place where i that, wouldn't be wearing muted tones is in the turkey woods like you know you're yeah. you're up against something with impeccable eyesight that's their really only line of defense for a turkey i mean they're not smart but my god they have great eyesight um,
3: isn't that crazy how such like a, a, a seeming i can't figure it out I and mean, we were talking about this the other day on one of those fireside chats we've been hosting but we're trying to figure out if tur- turkeys are just like incredibly dumb or just like incredibly smart or maybe they're just specifically smart with certain things But their eyeballs are just incredible i mean talk about like that that turkey that i mentioned that was running down that hill would stop every about 25 yards and peer over to that other side and i know he's looking for me mm-hmm. um and without camouflage you know you're you're a sitting duck in that open country so yeah. um certainly a, a, a argument for for full camouflage especially the biggest thing that i think and this this goes to turkey hunting elk hunting deer hunting um i really like to cover my face i have my face painted um i just think like a nose and ears are just such strange shapes in the natural world they don't really occur um in 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 uh in nature technically um so like an elk or or a turkey or deer seeing your face is just like it's a game over situation so you know having some air wool neck gator or some kind of um Face covering really helps a lot, too.
4: Yeah, I know. Absolutely agree on that front, um, chasing those thunder chickens without a face mask. Pretty pointless. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I also think the guys in the Midwest, they, they have, they're have they onto something because it seems like turkey hunting is like a lot easier there because you just put up a pop-up, sit on the edge of a cornfield. You can wear your blue jeans if you want to. It doesn't
3: matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And the black color, too, You know, I, I sat in the blind a little bit for antelope last year. Um, and, you know, obviously you want to be sort of surrounded by the the color of your surrounding. So utilizing those black shades, uh, mm-hmm. in a blind is really helpful, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's pretty comical sometimes it's like a turkey could be so smart to pick out a human, but they think like a, a blind sitting in the corner of a field that wasn't there a day ago, is just perfectly normal, you know, yeah. very funny.
4: Yeah. Well, as far as, um. Oh, one other thing, though, that I'm looking forward to that we didn't mention is the Pagre 2.0. I've yeah. absolutely loved the uh, the first edition, and you know, yep. run that through the ringer time after time. It's probably one, it's it's also functions as my pillow a lot of times in the backcountry, um, so yep. multi-purpose. You know, puffy jacket. What's different about the new one?
3: So the new one is um, basically what we did was we took the the what we're calling the, just the regular Uncle Barre, and and fastened it sort of or I should say shaped it to a, a better body mapping fit. Mm-hmm. So you're going to notice that, um, like for instance, if you were a, a say a normal large in the uh, you know most clothing, you probably would have been a medium in the in the original Uncle Barre. but now we've basically reshaped that. Um, that fit so it's going to fit true to size um and and be a better overall fit for um for most folks um we sort of re-envisioned um the the fabric package too so it's a little bit quieter Mm -hmm. Um, the uncapari 1.0 or the original was damn quiet um as a piece but this one's even quieter which is great because you know the the worst thing in the woods is that swooshing sound to talk about unnatural shapes or, or sounds yeah. Um, you know, you can get away with sounding like an animal walking through the woods, but if you're swooshing and having like sort of the fabric rub together, that's a no-no. Um, so the the, the biggest thing there is is fit and fabric package. It's just an upgraded version much like, you know, you, it's uh, basically the difference between like a 2015 F150 and a 2018 F150. You know, there's it's not just like minor changes, these are like major changes to make this garment better off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, it, you know, I've been wearing it um, sort of as just a, a everyday jacket just to test it. And then we tested it in Elkwood last year. And the nice part about the synthetic insulation of this Uncapari 2.0 is that you've got the um, ability to, depending on how, how your body works, I think you get a little more warmth um, out of that synthetic insulation, the way it's sheeted in there, uh, versus like a regular down. You're also less susceptible to, um, you know, down works really well for some people. Um I think you're you're more susceptible to um, you know having to have like a rain shell or something uh, with a with a standard uh, down puffy jacket. This this uh, Uncle 2.0 is DWR coated, so you can get into a rain squall and and uh, and not feel like you're gonna you know ruin your jacket and, and get it all wet. Uh, uh, it wicks that water weight pretty nicely.
4: Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one of those. Um, did I did have the pleasure of trying the the guide light short out last summer and the ranger and took that up on a canoe trip up to uh, the boundary waters in Ontario and put those through the ringer. Also the, uh, ridgeline. Uh, Oh yeah. The ridgeline corners it,
3: man. That's a, that's a great stretchy wing shirt. Um, I'm loving this this piece
4: for Texas, man. It's awesome. Not too hot. That's the thing. It's a light. Yeah. It's, it's really perfect. What actually wore that hog? I took the family out to the, The lease last weekend, it's crazy, you know, they usually have sports and um, birthday parties and all this other stuff that they miss out on, and so the wife, I think, she goes to the lease with me like once or twice a year, maybe, when I drag her out there. I'll take the kids a couple times. Henry likes to go, but now there's nothing to do, and all they want to do is go to the lease, you know?
3: Yeah, I know. It's just like...
4: The wife included. uh, Kind of cool. Yeah, that's
3: awesome, man. A little family affair. I think that's cool.
4: Yeah, so...
3: Yeah that ridge line man is uh, it's a good piece. It's, it's, a, it's got a deep zipper too, so it's really easy to get it on and off. Um, it's gonna break up that wind pretty nicely I if you on top of the ridge and it's also extremely packable too. So you can put in like a hip pocket or a hip belt pocket or the lid of your pack. Um, and it just offers just a little bit of protection for that wool layer too. like if it's pretty warm outside. Uh, but you don't want to uh, you don't want to ruin your wool walking through like briars or thick stuff. You just throw that on top and it acts as a as a nice cool protection layer.
0: All right, so there's some of the exciting new stuff um, from First Light here in 2020. Let's do this. Let's table this. Come back and talk spring bear hunting and get into the always controversial topic of baiting. Sound good?
3: Yeah, you bet. That sounds great.
0: Good deal. That segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land is the one thing they're not making anymore, but we all want it. So if you're ready to take that plunge and make that dream your reality, go ahead and give Lone Star Ag Credit a call. They've been helping their borrowers do this for over 100 years, and they'll do the same for you. That's LoneStarAgCredit.com. We'll be right back with more from our good buddy Kevin Harlander on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. On the road again. Hey guys, Cable here to remind you that if you're looking for a handheld thermal monocular, Pulsar's got two great options, the Helion, uh, which was my favorite for a long time, and then the Axiom as well, which is a little more compact, uh, about the size of your cell phone, fits in your pocket, and at fourteen fifty nine ninety nine has the price tag to match, but still got all the great features you love from Pulsar. And get this, when you use my promo code Pulsar underscore P you'll get 20% off your order. That's right, 20% off when you check out at PulsarNV.com.
1: Long gone like blue bonnets in the
3: spring We're only here for a little while It's beautiful and
0: bittersweet So make the most of
2: every mile
0: Long gone like blue bonnets in the spring, I tell you, man. Uh, Went to the dearlies two weeks ago, blue bonnets everywhere. Went back last weekend, very, very few. Uh, That's always one of my favorite sights of of springtime in Texas, those blue bonnets blooming. Lots of Indian paintbrushes, though, so not a bad consolation prize. I'm Cable Smith. This is the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer as well, and thanks to you guys for being here. It is a... it's a treat every week to be talking outdoors with you. Uh, we've still got First Light's Kevin Harlander on the line here. We're going to talk some spring bear and a little baiting as well. This segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by the Vortex Fury HD rangefinding binocular. I don't know about Kevin, but me personally, I, uh, I don't like carrying extra gear if I don't have to. So combining a rangefinder and a bino into one, Hell of an option. You can find the fury at vortexoptics.com. Vortex, the force of optics. Well, continuing our discussion with Kevin Harlander of First Light, uh, certainly appreciate you sticking around.
3: Yeah, appreciate it, man.
4: I know you guys just had a spring bear sale. And, we uh, did. so, so let's transition back into, uh, to bear hunting here. Idaho, you guys can, you guys can still bait, right?
3: Yeah, we can. And that's, it's funny you bring that up, man. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I've never lived in a state where, at least in my hunting career, where that was like a legal method to take. Um, so I'm really excited to try that out this year. I've been researching and talking to Clay Newcomb quite a bit about um, bear Heaven, Kevin, you
4: grew up in the Midwest deer. hunting whitetails over corn. That's just basically a 200-acre oh, no. feeder.
3: You can't do it in Minnesota, though. You can't hunt deer over bait either.
4: But, like, Which you can't it. hunt them in a soybean field?
3: Well, you can, yeah, but that, well, you know, that's bait. I think what we're talking about here, is like <laughs> I mean, a, like barrel, <laughs> a barrel, of, uh, you know. I'm just making a point over. that
4: if you're hunting them in a in a big field that's full of corn or soybeans, you're still hunting them over bait. I mean,
3: that's it, true, yeah. It, and a lot
4: true. of those crops, because right. I've I, seen I, it, I I didn't know about it. I mean, you see the videos and stuff, but when you go to Illinois, I've gone the last two years to Pike County for muzzleloader. They manipulate yeah. the crops, like. Oh yeah. And and it's for hunting, like the. The outfitter buys he says okay farmer joe leave 10 acres here 10 acres here 10 acres here i'm going to buy it from you you know this many bushels and then i'm going to take over and manipulate those as hunting season progresses so
3: yeah 100 percent.
4: and there wasn't and i think the, oh, sorry there wasn't a place so. in that little 10 acres that i was hunting that i couldn't reach out and touch them with a muzzleloader so i'm like this is great it's just a big feeder
3: <laughs> yeah exactly it is a feeder and i think the the difference there is what we're talking about is like naturally occurring or historically naturally occurring um you know food sources like thousands of acres of corn and soybeans that have been planted yeah you know the 1800s late 1800s in minnesota versus like a barrel of uh you know sweet feed and and um i guess what you would consider like unnatural um food sources so i think that's you know the 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 interesting part about like bear hunting is it is sort of the last frontier of anti-hunting. Um, it's kind of what they've got their that and trapping, it's kind of what they've got their hand around. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is if you listen to anything that Clay Newcomb who owns bear hunting magazine and is a fierce advocate for, you know, hunter rights and, and just uh, fair chase and, and, uh, and, you know, naturally conservation, which falls right into there. Um, he's talking about how bear populations in the United States are skyrocketing, you know, and they're, and they're at levels at what they consider optimal or above optimal in almost all, all 50 States. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm interested in mostly in Idaho is understanding, understanding how like they come to food sources, you know, and, and I really want to kill one off a tree with a bow. Um, I just think it'd be a, a cool experience and you know, there's many ways to kill a bear in Idaho. And, and I think just having, having as many options as you can, um, to, to go kill one is pretty cool you know clay talks about um, sort of his his phrase is guard the gate, right so i think it's important as a hunter that likes to i love to hunt elk and deer and ungulates and turkeys and fish and whatever but um, i've never been a huge bear hunter and i don't really know why i don't really have a reason it's just i played baseball in school mm-hmm. i was always busy in the spring um but i think it's really really important to understand that you know, that bear hunting is basically the bottom of the ladder when it comes to people advocating for its removal, you know, and, um, I think it's really important as a hunter to support bear hunting and to understand and to showcase how we do it in the right way. Uh, you know, we utilize legal take, um, we're utilizing fair chase and we're utilizing sort of, uh, a tag system and a management tool, um, to take out a certain number of bears a year in a state to, to maintain a healthy elk herd, to maintain a healthy bear uh, population. Um, you know, you go on and on, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important to support that initiative. Just, you know, from an overarching, um, analysis of the hunting industry, it's just important to be a part of that.
4: Um, not, well, you know, that I obviously support every legal means of hunting. Um, now some, some is not for me, obviously. Right. Um, but I will support it until my last breath. And, and I think, and you, and you said fair chase and, um, I want to make it very clear that. Hunting over bait is still fair chase. I mean Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young still consider that fair chase. So you, there's yeah. so many uneducated people out there. Oh, you're hunting over a feeder, whether that's a corn feeder or you're hunting over a uh, a barrel, you know, that you loaded up with uh, stale donuts for a bear. That's still fair chase.
3: Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, and, and I think the interesting part there is there's still a lot that has to happen correctly. Um, and efficiently and, and in the right way to, to make sure that you kill that animal, whether it's over bait or corn or whatever the hell. Um, I, I think essentially what we're talking about here is, like, we have to understand that there's still a lot that goes into harvesting an animal past the point of just, like, sitting over a pile of corn or whatever. You know, you still have to make a good shot. You still have to be quiet. Those deer are still... You have to, to play the wind. Game. That's a big part of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things that can still go wrong. Um, what they're doing is they're utilizing these these bait um, laws to effectively manage a bear herd because yep. we wouldn't kill en- enough bears in Idaho with the spot and stock method um, to to adequately um, you know kill kill enough bears to have a good population. So then the state of Idaho would have to go in and, and you know remove these bears and then nobody partakes in um, sort of the experience of it and it just becomes sort of a, a sort of ass-backwards um, management oh, yeah. tool because, you know, the government is now paying the government to go uh, kill bears when they have plenty of people that want to go do it themselves.
4: It's yeah. a great time to be a government trapper in California, let me tell you. So, yeah, I, I bet. mean, mountain lion, bear removal, now they've added bobcats. Have you heard, of, you've seen the, uh, yep, the endangered California bobcat?
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Which I just saw and, you uh, you know, Steve on the meat eater page posted uh, one of his followers had sent in this video of a bobcat eating someone's chicken out of their backyard, you know, and it's in a I mean, pretty urban setting. This bobcat just hops over the fence into the yard, grabs a chicken, and it's protected in California.
3: Yeah, and, and like, I like to go, not to get too far right down a rabbit hole here, but I, I like to kind of uh, imply the the following logic with these things. Like, you know, we live in a world now that's incredibly manipulated by human use. You know, even in the farthest remote regions of Idaho, um, you know, that don't see a lot of people, there's still the human track on there somewhere. So, if we're to sort of say that's sort of our foundation, you know, and say that, okay, we, we have manipulated and, and changed habitats for better or for worse, and we're going to manage one species for game use like elk, then you've got to manage every population, uh, you know, to healthy levels in the in the ecosystem because mm-hmm. you can't have wolves running crazy and wild and be killing elk with hunters and, and predators and not think that that's a little bit out of whack. You know, there has to be just a balance, a, a management strategy to, to basically allow for the, you know, the free range and the livelihood of uh, these animals in the, in a full spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the point that people miss sometimes is like, you know, if there's an endangered uh, Bobcat somewhere, that's great. But,
4: Oh, just take in the ocelot in the, South Texas. Like there's there's ocelot down there, and and on that place that we hunted last year, you know, they had part of that um, property that was fenced off completely. You Couldn't even access it because it was an ocelot preserve. And you and I and every other hunter out there would never dream of hunting an endangered ocelot, right? Right.
3: Exactly.
4: I, go and just and that's the thing. Complimenting thing. what you're saying there.
3: Behind, yeah, as long as there's good science behind um, a strategy, I can get behind that. But yeah. at some point, uh, when it's become Sort of a uh, argument for you know lobbying from certain organizations to you know just from an emotional standpoint rather than a scientific standpoint. That's when I get a little bit irritated, you know, and it's like because we we spend so many days in the woods and we read so much information about what is actually true. It's hard when there's certain laws that are put into place that just don't um, line up with the actual science.
4: No, it's a false narrative that they put out about hunters that we just hate predators like. Why uh, would yeah. you kill it? Well, because they they're preying on the the ungulates that we love to hunt. So we're gonna help manage. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just doing our part, yeah. and that's uh, yeah. that's the bottom line is conservationist, which is what we all are. Going back to bear baiting though, um, yeah. When I went to Alberta, I, I took one uh, bear with a bow and a tree stand, and one with a rifle. And um, right. this is in the boreal forest. It's thick, thick, thick. And it's probably much like what you're talking about in, in Idaho and, and how they manage their bear population. But I mean, you would not be able to to harvest a bear. It would it would be a very tedious endeavor um, to think that you could go on a guided hunt there and walk into the woods and and take a bear in on a six day hunt. You know, just uh, right. that's they don't they don't sell that hunt for a reason. So right. then but then you have uh, baiting, which helps. Yeah, they've got a robust population of bears, just like you were saying in North America. Uh, black bears are thriving. I mean, Alberta, and and people don't realize that black bears' favorite prey is like mule deer and elk fawns, calves.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
4: There's lots of research out there that that say springtime comes, bears wake up, and they just start hammering on those fawns. Come early summer, you know, once they drop.
3: Um, right. So. yeah what's interesting is that's only like it's not like those bears are killing elk through the whole year and and that's what i think people don't understand is that the majority of their diet is what we would consider vegetarian or or they're an omnivore right they're Mm -hmm. eating insects large majority they're you know it's seasonal right so it would make sense that you know that they're going after calves um, and fawns in the spring because that's what's available. And, and I think that's the, what people don't realize is, is they're not, uh, they're opportunists, right? They're not going to just pass up a, a fawn because it's, uh, you know, berries taste better or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, there's a large mortality rate due to, um, bears in, in North America for sure. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, and I, yeah, it's opportunistic, but also a lot of those sows have got their own cubs to think about. And so they've got to get more protein, right. you know, so. Um, yeah, it makes for an easy snack. Those mule deer's yeah. uh, fawns. A buddy of mine did a um, for like his uh, graduate program, did some bear collaring in New Mexico, and, and so they could track these these kill sites. And he yeah. said like 70% of their diet was was mule deer fawns, excuse me. And I was like, man, that just seems extreme, but it's uh, it makes sense. So.
3: Yeah, pretty helpless critters when they're that small and, and young, you know, it doesn't take much to, to make a snack out of a little deer like that. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, we're gonna give it our best effort here on the big side and then um also, you know, we'll go out and one of my favorite things to do is just get up after work and get up into the hill country. where we can see, you know, pretty big mountains here and you get to a good glassing point and you're just kinda of glassing and those bears will be browsing in that um, balls and root and all that other green green stuff that's popping up in the, in the mountains this time of year, and it's just a wonderful experience, you know, to to go out and, and glass up some bears from a mile away, and then go make a move whether it's the next day or the the day after. And uh, they're certainly on their feet right now. We've had about 60 degrees the last uh, week, which is pretty warm for up here this time mm. of year. Uh, so it's kind of expedited our spring quite a bit. Mm.
4: Yeah, so I've only done two bear hunts. So the one in Alberta and then one in Montana, which was all spot and stock. And on that one, we saw more grizzlies than we did black bears. So, we didn't, uh,
3: yeah, that's crazy, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I but I have that uh, man Vancouver Island legendary black bear hunting. I have that hunt lined up for October, and who knows that might be another one that's on the chopping block. It's just who knows how this. Is gonna yeah, and I wonder like
3: border closures.
4: Do what? Oh yeah, the border, yeah. It kinda of
3: depends on the yeah you know, the borders and what happens there and whether or not you want to get out of plane in a couple months
4: here. Yeah. I was looking at flights though, they're pretty cheap, but Yeah, no
3: kidding. <laughs> I know. We keep getting the, uh, these notifications from all the airline companies like five hundred bucks to go to Spain and you're like, Oh man, <laughs> I'm hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how yeah. businesses
4: like brands that are much bigger than mine, like Meat Eater, will be affected by this when they're trying to, you know, pump out Uh, X number of TV shows and all this other content, Mm -hmm. um, you know, across the board in in the hunting industry. I wonder how that, how that stuff is going to be affected.
3: Yeah, certainly. Um, we're going to have to get a little creative here in the coming months. Uh, fortunately this happened sort of in a, it's, it began in sort of what what is sort of the slower season of of the hunting industry. Right. Um, but I I do think that we're going to have to be pretty agile and, and maybe the opportunities become, um, a little more limited but i think that they're they're going to find a way to and we'll find a way to sort of make it through you know the one nice part about being a direct consumer company is that um we're able to um you know sell directly and, and speak to our customers directly um, rather than uh, working in the retail side which the retail side has really taken a large hit obviously because people can't literally go go to stores mm-hmm. um so that's been really helpful from our side And you know on the, on the content side I do think that there's opportunities, um, especially as these kind of uh, uh, regulations and stuff ease a little bit in certain places, uh, we're, we're going to be just fine. It's just a matter of kind of uh, continuing to be nimble, uh, you know, and, and kind of interacting in some of these um, ex- experiences that are, that are online. You know, we've been doing these first light fireside chats, which people should definitely go sign up for. Those are uh, great options to learn a little bit about what you might be pursuing this fall. We've done some. much. Turkey hunting and bear hunting and elk hunting in the West and, and uh, land management for deer and, and all different kinds of things. Um, so those kinds of conversations, you see those pop up a lot more uh, in, in the coming weeks, and, and they have been, you know, for the I guess it's been about a month now, huh? Yeah. It's been shut down. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Well, as we are wrapping things up here, um, two things. Number
4: one, we are all. And, and you and I obviously love wild game cooking. It's a big part of my life. But I think the, you know, certainly the outdoor community is exploring that more and more. We have more free time on our hands. I'm like making a new wild game dish three or four nights a week. Um, yep. What is the what is the best dish that you've prepared um, as a result of, of quarantine?
3: Man, you know, I, it pains me to say it, but I didn't kill a mule deer last year. So like it, it helped. Uh, my buddy Paul shot a really nice buck. Um, we had a big meat cutting, uh, party before this, uh, virus was kind of taking over the, the world. Um, <laughs> meat cutting, so we party, had, we, I like that know, terminology. We, <laughs> we, yeah, it was awesome, man. We get like <laughs> three grinders going and a big group of people and we just kind of knock out basically what is all our grind meat from uh-huh. the years past or the, the year prior, I should say. Um, and so the, the short end of this, Story is that uh, he gifted me some mule deer. So I'm, I'm pretty good on elk and we've got hog and, and, and uh, quite a bit of other stuff. So we had some access deer still. But that mule deer, man, is. Uh, there's this recipe from Wild and Whole, who is. Uh, Danielle is actually a, a Texan. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got this great mule deer recipe that my girlfriend Julia really, really been digging. So I think that's probably. The mule deer taco meat is just like uh, it's incredible. It almost gets like crispy on the outside, but it's really tender and, and good on the inside. It's kind of these big, um, big meat nuggets, so to speak, and <laughs> it's been uh, just delicious. That and then you know, the other thing, honestly, is I saved uh, quite a bit of. We, we did a lot of perch fishing this winter um, up on the reservoirs, and uh, so we've been having fish fries here and there. But um, definitely thankful for a for a big full freezer. It's been uh, been really good. We, you know, we haven't bought meat in years. It seems like between the pigs we raise and, and the wild game we harvest, it's uh, it's a pretty good position to be in when something like this happens.
4: I'll tell you this, man. I, I everyone who comes to my house and I do a lot of, uh, you know, Dallas Cowboys. We'll just say losing parties because that's what they usually do is lose. But <laughs> uh, you know, we like to watch football and, and hang out, and, and that's a great opportunity for me to you know offload a bunch of the stuff that I've shot over the year. And, and to be honest, I, yep. I usually take more than my family can eat. So I give a lot of it away. Well, due to yep. quarantine, I have not given any away anymore. Yeah, But yeah. <laughs> <Like>, get <laughs> out of here. You, people are texting me, hey, can I get some of that access to it? I'm like, get out of here. No, you can't. It's mine now. That's right. It's time to be <laughs> selfish.
3: <laughs> I know. It, and it's good, man. It's Like I said, it's great to have a full freezer. And mm-hmm. You really can't beat. Um, there's something about just like being able to, you know, from from the time you head out in the truck, and the, by the time you get home and you're and you're making that meal, whether months later or a year later, uh, it's pretty empowering, and I think that's kind of the, the basis for a lot of what we do at First Light and, and in the hunting industry as a whole is just being able to provide for our families and and uh, and, and keep things kind of um, close to home. You know, it's it's pretty nice to be able to eat something that you've killed.
4: Yeah, it's a lot, and I've also noticed how much money we are saving as a family because with the kids involved in you know after school activities and stuff I mean we ate out probably three nights a week and then maybe we went out to dinner and had margaritas on a patio one one night a weekend I'm like man we're we're getting rich by not going out to eat because we we already have a wild game so (laughs) it's awesome
3: yeah exactly I know we've been noticing that too I think we've uh, our grocery bill has kind of gone up periodically just with with not eating out, but man, it just lasts so much longer, you know, it's a a good reminder. I think this whole thing, um, whether it has some silver linings or not is yet to be seen. But one of the things that I've been pretty appreciative of is just uh, the ability to spend more time just at home. And then, uh, you know, just being able to kind of reconnect with people, you know, I feel like I'm in better communication with even my family and and friends, even though we're not able to get together, um, it offers a good opportunity to, to eventually plan those shared meals and, and spend some time together. And this is all over.
4: Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, last thing, Kevin, yeah. what is the craziest thing that you've had a client do in the elk hunting woods or on a, elk, you know, a guided uh, elk hunt?
3: Oh man, that's a long list. And I probably, I won't say any names cause I'll probably get in trouble, but you know, we had one guy show up and, um, he's kind of an older gentleman, but still, he looked like to be in pretty good shape, and I was like, all right, we're going to leave at 5, I think we are leaving at 5.30 that morning, and um, we pulled up, and we, we drove all our clients around in Polaris Rangers, and pulled up in the Polaris Rangers to the, to the, uh, to the lodge, picked him up, and um, headed out, and we I pulled over the buggy at, at the spot we were going to go, this big draw, we were going to go hunt for elk, and uh, pulled over and shut the ranger off, just kind of listened for a minute, and got out of the ranger. I was like, all right, you ready? He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, we're going to go down and, and hunt this jaw. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't walk very well. <laughs> 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 he was going to come out on me and, and not, uh, not do a lot of walking. And I was like, man, you might've, you might've picked the wrong guy to be with. Cause, uh, those that know me know that I like to go uphill fast and, uh, spend a lot of time on my feet. So yeah. that's about the, you know, that's about the most, uh, cordial thing I should probably say on the air. We've had we were really did blessed. he get an elk? Great clients. He did. He did get an elk. Yep. And he did it while he was walking too, which was pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, man, we've been we were pretty blessed to have great clients and, and people that you know had never killed an elk before. The majority of the clients. So um, that was really cool to be a part of that experience. And, and overall, man, um, you know some of these some of these guys, you know, like with with all things, probably about ninety nine percent bad or good and one percent bad. Um, so overall pretty damn good, good experience. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, right on my friend. I certainly have enjoyed visiting, catching up. Kevin, sorry, we're having to do it remotely. Uh, hopefully the next time it'll be, uh, around a campfire.
3: Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I appreciate your time. And, and like I said, uh, we'll get some more trips on the books and in, in the coming year and, and, uh, share a campfire soon.
4: Sounds like a plan.
3: We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: Our good friend, Kevin Harlander of First Light. Uh, Always great checking in with Kevin. That segment of the show, by the way, was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky have been taking care of me for going on a decade now. Man, it's a long time. And uh, just looking around the studio here, whether you've got a whitetail, an axis deer, a speckled trout from the Texas coast, or maybe a black bear from Canada, uh, whatever trophy you've taken, they will make that memory last a lifetime with an absolutely stunning mount. I guarantee you that. Plus, they answer the phone when you call. Imagine that, a taxidermist that isn't dodging your phone calls. You can find them at GR8mounts.com. That's GR8mounts.com with locations in the Texas Hill Country in Marion and San Antonio. Um, just looking at the clock here. We gotta go, gotta get out of here thanks to Kevin As well as Henry, our other guest today Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoor Show Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors I keep
2: on learning the hard way
1: Every time I turn around